The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gam Podcast and Eric presented by Bird Dog Shorts. Dominate summer with an amazing pair of shorts and a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. That's birddogs.com slash pool. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gam Podcast. And Eric, it is currently Thursday afternoon, June 29th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun one for matches to go through. We have the semifinals in Eastbourne and in Mallorca, so I'll be previewing each of those matches before getting into the lock and dog picks at the end of the show. But before we do that, got to do the usual housekeeping. Got to recap how we did on the last episode. Starting off with the lock and dog picks, we did very well. We swept the board, won the lock and the dog for the second straight episode. So a nice winning streak that we're on. Starting off with the lock, we had Sunigo and, and Zhang under 22 and a half games. And we got a little bit lucky because we thought Sunigo would probably win in straight sets. And he did not. In fact, he lost in straight sets. He was serving for the first set up 5-3, which was the script we thought was going to unfold. Then he choked it. Uh, Zhang ended up getting through. And then you ended up seeing Sunigo uh, get broken at 3-4, which gave us the win once uh, Zhang was able to hold on to win the match 6-3 in the second set, so that landed 22. A little bit lucky when the guy you pick to lose the match comfortably wins the match comfortably, and that's how you win your bet, but still counts as a win. We're going to count it. And then for the dog, we got that one completely right. We had Feliciano Lopez to win the first set against uh, Purcell, and he won the first set there. That was plus 149. Won the match in straight sets. Thought it was an insane price. It did drop. It closed at around plus 136. And Lopez looked pretty good. He got broken in the first service game, broke back immediately in the first return game, then held the rest of the way, and he ended up winning the first set relatively comfortably. But for the most part, good episode for us in the picks. Anytime you sweep the lock and dog, can't really complain at all. As for the outrights, though, bit of a mixed bag, but mostly good. Assuming, knock on wood, things work out at the final stages of Mallorca. For Eastbourne, we got nothing right. We probably got every pick wrong faster than I thought, uh, or faster than we ever have before. We didn't have a single outright left going to the quarters, I believe, so we weren't even close. So that was one of the worst tournaments I've ever had for outrights. But for Mallorca, we've done very well. In fact, we have two of the final four players left in the field to win the tournament. We have uh, Manorino to win the tournament, and we have Eubanks as our somewhat long shot there at around 20 to 1. And hopefully Eubanks wins because that'll give us a massive outright cash. But either way, point is we have half the field left in uh, Mallorca. Manorino's favored in his match. Eubanks is a slight underdog, but the point is the odds are close in both matches. I'll get into it in a second, but you can argue that the chances of us winning this are truly 50-50 because both guys that we have have chances to win their semifinal matches. We might have a an outright versus an outright in the final, which we automatically win in, which would be a lot of fun. But then again, uh, I do think that you're going to be looking at what should be a pretty fun semis and a fun final. So hopefully, once again, we cross the finish line with an outright. And if one of those two get home, we do make money on the outrights for these two tournaments combined, which is the most important part. So hopefully that works out. But that's going to do it for the actual recap. Once again, swept the picks uh, back to back lock and dog sweeps. Look for another one here in this episode. But for action into any of the previews for the semifinal matches, do want 
to recap some of the news that happened over the last few days, starting off with the breaking news this morning, which I feel like most people haven't exactly been fully aware of because it was a little bit quiet. Uh, Struff, who's been playing some good tennis for the entire year, basically, and who made a final in a grass tournament about a, cu- a couple weeks ago, losing to Tiafo in the final. He officially announced he will not be participating in Wimbledon. He decided with the assistance of his uh, say team that he's better off skipping it to rest and recover. I'm not sure what exactly he hurt, but Struff will not be playing and he will join Kishanov, for example, as another guy who's not going to be playing. Sinner is going to play. I know he withdrew or retired mid-match against Bublik last week. He's officially going to be active, but Kishanov is out. You're looking at Struff being out. I still think Kyrgios might be out, so keep an eye out for Kyrgios, but you had the final day of Wimbledon qualifying taking place on Thursday, three to five sets. I believe they're the only tournament that does that, uh, which I do like the final round of qualifying being a full main draw length match. I actually do appreciate that. But the point is, even if you were expecting a guy to qualify and he ended up losing in the final round, for example, maybe a Seabolt Wild, maybe you're looking at uh, Kudla, for example. The point is there are a couple of guys who... You can make an argument that you thought might have been able to advance into the main draw through qualifying. Now you might see a decent amount of lucky losers, so keep an eye out for any of those guys that you were trying to keep an eye on for qualifying. Just because they lost does not mean they're officially out of Wimbledon because we might see a couple more guys end up withdrawing between now and the start of Wimbledon. So keep an eye out. You might see a couple of last-second scratches and maybe one of the guys you thought was eliminated from qualifying will suddenly get into the main draw. But anyway, point is, uh, wanted to discuss some other news going around the tennis world besides Struff. Want to give some flowers to Feliciano. I said in the last episode that he announced a couple weeks ago or a month or two ago that Mallorca was going to be his final event. And as a result, he ended up losing to Humphman on Thursday. So Feliciano Lopez is officially calling it a career. Very long career, very impressive, very consistent. Been around for a long time, very durable. And he was usually hovering around that, I'd say, 20 to 30 mark in his prime. But either way, the point is Feliciano, good player, and his career is officially over. So I wanted to give him a shout out, especially since he cashed us the dog bet from the last episode. So shout out to Feliciano. Hope he enjoys retirement. But then I did want to transition into a potentially big story that is blossoming in tennis as a whole involving the future landscape of tennis. So I wanted to talk about some rumors involving the Saudis and the Saudis were linked to potentially getting involved into in uh, tennis. They thought about buying tennis and potentially being a partner of the ATP. And the reason why I bring it up is because we've seen Saudis and other countries get more heavily involved in sports. Saudi has gotten involved in F1. They got involved in golf with the live tour, which merged with the PGA. Now the Saudi is being potentially involved in uh, partnering with the ATP, and some people are not thrilled about it. Some fans are. One person who is thrilled about it, though, is Nick Kyrgios, who went to Twitter with his thoughts on the rumors of Saudi getting involved, and he said, quote, on Twitter, finally, they see the value. We are going to get paid what we deserve to get paid. Sign me up, end quote. So people on Twitter were outraged. Because Saudi has a long history of human rights violations, and people were 
showing how we cannot support the Saudis getting involved in tennis. I know McEnroe was also against the Saudis being involved. Uh, for the record here, I do want to discuss my opinions on this potential partnership and if I think it's going to scare people off from tennis, etc. I'm going to speak for myself first, then I'll get into the grand scheme of things. For me personally, I am aware that the Saudis have had a long history of human rights violations. Do I care? Not really, to be honest. Now, I know that's going to sound extremely heartless, and I'm sure some people might think of that as being relatively scummy. So I'm going to clarify what I mean when I say that I do not care. Personally, with a lot of companies out there, not just countries, with companies and a lot of products that people buy in a day-in, day-out basis, there are a lot of human rights violations all over the world. And as I say this, I am holding an iPhone, and I'm looking next to me, and I have a pair of sneakers. I'll let you imagine what the company is. I cannot imagine where they were made. I cannot imagine the working conditions in the sweatshops that these were made in. I can't even imagine the age of the workers of the people that made the pair of shoes and that made the iPhone. The point is, a lot of people have a lot of products that were made with very shady methods and practices from companies that use shady practices, and nobody bats an eye. Nobody cares. You'll buy the next iPhone. You'll buy the next pair of shoes. And it seems like people only seem to care about events or borderline virtue signaling when it has no impact on their lives and when they have nothing to lose. So I'm just going to say this directly. If the Saudis end up partnering with tennis, I will still watch tennis all the time. I will still have podcasts for tennis all the time. Whether the Saudis decide to partner with the ATP or not truly has no impact on my life. So I'm not going to suddenly act like it matters to my life. I'm aware that some people who care about the human rights violations from Saudi might be a little bit, I'd say, disgusted by the partnership. But then again, if you're disgusted by that, you should be disgusted by all the other practices by other businesses that are creating all their products that you buy in a sweatshop. And I feel like that's a pretty fair comparison. But the point is, I wanted to at least discuss it because I do believe that when you're looking at the current situation regarding tennis, tennis players want to get paid. I was fine with golf players partnering up or I was fine with golf players celebrating and joining live. It's their livelihoods. They're getting offered insane amount of money to play a game. I have no problem with that. If they want to get paid, let them get paid. I have no issues whatsoever, so I wanted to at least state that publicly. I don't care. If the tennis players want to get paid more money, and if the prize money drastically goes up in these tennis tournaments, the players want to get paid because it's what they do on a day-in, day-out basis. They're constantly tra practicing. They're traveling. They want to get compensated. I have no issues with that. If I was a golf player and was offered $100 million to play golf in, in Saudi Arabia, I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm taking $100 million. If I'm Benzema or if I'm any of these other soccer players that are getting paid a lot, guess what? I am still going to take the money and run. So I'm not totally shocked that tennis players want to get paid more. I'm not going to come at Kyrgios' throat and complain about it. I understand his overall angle. I think the last point that I'll make with regard to this issue is if you personally want to stop following tennis because the Saudis might partner up, that's up to you. Once again, it's entirely your own decision. I'm telling you right now, for me, 
It has no impact on my life. I truly do not care if these tennis players want to get paid more. They'll get paid more. Good for them. So I'm not going to suddenly demonize tennis players because they want to get paid more for what they do for a living. I can understand that angle for it. So I'll keep watching tennis one way or another, but I wanted to bring it up because I know that people were kind of coming at Kyrgios and it, a lot of it's because people don't like Kyrgios anyway. They just don't like him as a character, but I wanted to mention it. I understand Kyrgios' angle and I'm not really going to demonize him for it, but does it impact me? No. Do I care? Not really. Tennis players want to get paid more. Good for them. But anyway, that's going to do it for the actual recap for the uh, news over the past week or so in tennis. Now it's time to get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. Time to get into the actual match previews for the semis. We're going to start off in Eastbourne because Eastbourne's matches start at 9 a.m. Eastern time, while Mallorca is going to be starting at around 9.30 Eastern time. So starting off with the first match, you have Sarundalo taking on Mackenzie McDonald. Sarundalo is a small favorite in this match at around minus 132. You have McDonald at around plus 112. As for the spread, you have Sarundalo minus one and a half games at minus 109. You have McDonald at plus one and a half games at minus 111. As for the over-under in games, 22 and a half, over is minus 104. The under is minus 116. So to go through the head-to-head between these players, because you know that's how I always go about starting my matchup breakdowns, to go through the head-to-head meetings, they have never played. So I don't have anything to really talk about there. I will talk about the recent form of both players, though. McDonald's has looked good. He ended up beating uh, Kechinato in the first round, then he beat Fritz in straight sets. Nice win there. And they ended up beating Emer in three sets in the Thursday match. But as for Sarundalo, he's been good too. Sarundalo was able to beat Zhang comfortably in straight sets. And you could argue he was a bit fortunate because Zhang was on a bit of a Cinderella run there. But that's not Sarundalo's problem. He was able to beat the guy that was in front of him. But if you want to talk about the other matches in this tournament, Sarundalo was able to beat Husor in a straight set. So McDonald has played one more match uh, because Sarundalo got a bye in the first round. We know that Sarundalo is the higher-ranked player, ranked in 19th in the ATP, while McDonald is ranked 64th. Now, I understand why these odds are so close. It's because McDonald has looked very good on grass. And you can make an argument once again with Sarundalo. It's not his fault, but he has faced off against easier opponents in this tournament, facing off against Husor and facing off against Zhang, while McDonald had to beat a two-time champion in Fritz, and he had to beat Emer, who's playing some good tennis. But I think for the sake of this match, I am going to link to McDonald at plus money. I think it's going to be a war. I think it's going to be a really, really tough match where both players have moments. So I like the over as my general favorite play. But I am going to link to McDonald. I think that he has the skill set to make life difficult for Sarundalo. I'm not saying that it's going to be, once again, a route. I think that you might see it go either way, maybe a final set tiebreak. But I think you might find some value on McDonald in what could be a coin flip match. And if it's going to be a coin flip in my eyes, then I'm obviously going to take the plus money with the coin flip. So I'll lean to McDonald's, not exactly the strongest lean in the world, but I think that he has the skill set to get it done. My favorite play in this game, in this match will be the over. I do like the over two and a half sets at plus 120. I think that's a pretty good price. I think you're going to see both these players have moments once again where you might see it kind of like the exact same script as the Emer match where it just alternate sets one guy wins one set the other guy wins the second set and then the third sets up for grabs but i really can't expect to see a war between these players so i am going to go with the over 
as my favorite play. I see a lot of really, really fun rallies between these two, a lot of firepower. And I think as a result, you will see each player have moments where they're going to see uh, some fireworks. So I'm going to go with the over. Two and a half sets at plus 120. Now, moving on to the next match, you have Barreri taking on Paul. Paul is a pretty big favorite here at around minus 205. Barreri is around plus 175. Paul is minus two and a half games at minus 120. Barreri is plus two and a half games at even money. Over-under is at 22 and a half, minus 110 to the over and to the under. So starting off with the head-to-head between these players, they faced off three times, and Barreri's actually been pretty good against them. Barreri is two and one lifetime. Now, the two wins that Barreri did have were back in 2016, which means absolutely nothing to me. However, they did face off on clay in France, which is Barreri's home country, in May this year. And Paul did win in three sets. So that means nothing to me either, really, because that was on clay and this is on grass. Barrera's been good. Now, he's had a couple of long matches, but he has beaten some good opponents. So Barrera ended up beating Rusevori in the first round in three sets, beat Jari in three sets in the second round, and then beat Kekmanovic in the third round here in the quarters in straight sets. He probably should have lost both sets, but Kekmanovic just kept choking it away. And he couldn't hold serve, serving it out twice. So Brary got it done there. As for Tommy Paul, he has had a tough go of it as well. Uh, not as tough, but he had a bye in the first round, then beat Baez 6-1-7-6. He was serving for the second set, got broken though, so it could have been easier, but he made it difficult for himself. Then he beat J.J. Wolf in three sets in the Thursday matches. Really fun match, high-quality stuff. And Paul definitely did a good job returning in that match uh, since Wolf has a good serve. But I think Paul, simply put, has been the better player in this tournament. Now, once again, Barreri has been able to really just survive and find ways to move on to fight another day. So I can't expect to see an over. I think you will see, once again, another competitive match. I do think Tommy Paul is going to win. I'm not sure if I really see much value on anything, though. Because I can see Barreri covering, but I also can see Barreri going to a breaker or two and then losing one set like 6-2 or 6-3, and suddenly he just doesn't cover anyway. So I'm going to lean to the over. I don't feel great about it per se, but Barreri has been involved in a couple of long sets in this tournament. He had a 7-5, 7-6 showing against Kekmanovic. He had two separate tie breaks against Rusevori. So he has had a decent amount of long sets, and Paul... You're looking at his results. He had a tiebreaker in the final set against Wolf, a tiebreaker in the final set against Baez. You might see a breaker or two in this match, but I think for the sake of this, I am going to take Paul, and I am going to lean to the over in this one. Maybe Paul in three, I'm kind of tempted by, if I could find a good price for it. But for the most part, I really don't see much value on this match. If you want to take a spin with Barreri, then I don't hate it, because I think it's going to be close. But I do think that Paul... Is in better form, so I'm going to go with him to get the job done. I am looking quickly to see if I could find what the price is on Paul to win in three. I see Paul in three at around plus 260. I don't mind that. I think that Paul, once again, is going to win, but I think it's going to be close, and you are trying to find a way to turn roughly a minus 200 favorite into plus 260. So Paul to win in three, I found plus 270 on FanDuel. I'll lean that way. But I do think Paul gets it done when the match is over. So anyway, moving into Mallorca, the two matches that we care about the most because of our outrights 
for the futures. But starting off with the first match, you have a matchup between Harris and Eubanks. And Harris is a slight favorite here at around minus 144. Eubanks is around plus 124 the other way. As for the spread, Harris minus one is minus 108. Eubanks plus one is minus 112. Over under is 28 and a half. Over is juiced to minus 128. Under is plus 108. If you want the match to go three sets, it's available at plus 115. Uh, so for the actual match, once again, going back to the head-to-head, you have a pretty fun matchup in general because both guys are pretty comfortable on the surface. Eubanks is a good server. Harris a good server, too, so you might see a little bit of a serve fest go- uh, going on. You had a couple of breaks, though, in that Rinderknich match against Eubanks, but you ended up seeing that go to two breakers anyway. So my first opinion on this match, I would lean to the over because it could go to two breakers or it could go to three sets. And if that happens, you do win automatically. So I do think when you're looking at this match, you can probably expect to see a bit of a war going on between these players. Now, for the head-to-head, though, Eubanks is down 4-2. to two. Uh, you're looking at the last couple of meetings. They faced off in 2019 and before that several times, but they have two meetings that are somewhat recent. They faced off in San Diego in 2021, Harris one and three, and they faced off in Korea earlier this year. And that's a hard court event. And Eubanks won that one in three sets, seven, six, four, six, six, four. So at first glance, I like the over because there's been a lot of really competitive matches between these guys. And I think that you're going to see another very competitive match. I think that this is a coin flip, though. So I will lean to Eubanks plus the 124. I think Harris a little bit too favored in this match. And he's had a pretty favorable draw up to this point. But I think when you're looking at what I think is going to happen, I see a lot of holds, a couple tiebreakers, and a coin flip match. So... I'm going to lean to Eubanks in this one. I do want to read off, though, the level of competition both guys have faced. So Eubanks beat Mickelson in three, beat Shelton in three, that's a good win, and beat Rinderknich in straight sets to tiebreakers. As for Harris, he's been very involved in Mallorca because he's not only playing the singles, he's also playing the doubles, and he's still with Bombry, and they've been having a very good run there in doubles. They have not dropped the set. But looking at his overall path, he beat Vesely, he beat Mickelson, both in qualifying. Then he ended up beating Zapata Marias, who's not a good grass player at all. He beat a Safulan in straight sets. And then he beat Kotov in these on Thursday because Kotov was able to upset Fakina. So the point is, you're looking at a spot where Harris has really not played many great players. And I do think that Eubanks, once again, has played the tougher competition. I think that he's in line to win this one. It's going to be a war, going to be a very tough match. But with that being the case, I will lean to the plus money, and I will lean to the over in this match. But moving on to the final match of the episode, which I think is going to be the best one, if you want to talk about in terms of players that are playing their best tennis right now. You have Hoffman and Manorino, and both guys have looked really good so far in this event. Hoffman was able to beat Tsitsipas in the first round in three sets. Then Hoffman was able to beat, sorry, beat Katchen, 6-2-6-1, complete body bag. He'd crushed him. Beat Tsitsipas in three and then beat Lopez in the retirement match there, 6-2, 6-4. As for Manorino, he was able to beat Pella in the first round despite dropping the first set. And then he was able to beat Mutet in the second round there in straight sets. But I really see a fun match here. 
And I know it's going to be a random match because I mentioned that the Eubanks-Harris match should be very good. And I mentioned, I really mentioned that all three of the, all the first three matches should be good. But I really think, personally, whoever wins this match in the Hoffman-Manorino battle is going to win the tournament. In my personal opinion, I hope I'm wrong because I have Eubanks at 20-1. to 1. But I do think that right now, Hoffman and Manorino have been the two best players in this event. So I do think that whoever wins this one will be able to lift the trophy over the weekend. But to go through the odds here, Manorino is the slight favorite at minus 129. Hoffman is plus 109. Hoffman is plus one on the spread at minus 107. Manorino minus one is minus 113 on the spread. The over-under is 22 and a half. Slight juice to the over at minus 115. And the under is minus 105. Now for this match... I really have a hard time picking who I think is going to win because Hoffman has a lot of firepower and he's played some good tennis. But Manorino is so unorthodox that he tends to give players problems. And Hoffman's issue for a while has been unforced errors. He's got a lot of firepower, very good player. But the unforced errors are concerning. And you have the 43rd ranked player against the 48th ranked player. So it's pretty close in terms of talent. Now, Manorino has one a couple of tournaments on the ATP level. So I know this moment will not be too big for him, for example. Uh, but as for Hoffman, his deep runs have been fewer and further between in his career. So I do think if you want to talk about nerves, you might see Hoffman be a little bit more nervous throughout the course of this match. Uh, but I do think, once again, his unique, uh, Manorino's unique style of play can potentially force some unforced errors from Hoffman, and you might see Manorino try to wear down Hoffman over the course of this match. Hoffman, though, has never won an ATP title, so I do think that when you're looking at uh, Hoffman potentially getting into the latter stages of events, I am concerned if this moment, I know it's an ATP 250, but I am concerned that maybe it might be a little bit too big for him because he has not exactly won an event yet. But I think when you're looking at this overall matchup, I'm going to lean to Manorino. I don't feel great about it, but Manorino is a very good grass court player. So I think that eventually he'll wear down Hoffman, might get a breaker, going to be a couple of ebbs and flows. I'd lean to the over in this match as well. It's not like a broken record. But I do think, once again, with Manorino winning two separate ATP titles in his career, including a grass title back in 2019, I do think that he is more poised to get the job done here. I'll lean to Manorino. I don't feel great about it in general, but I do think that this price makes sense, and I will back the favorite in this one. So that's going to wrap it up for the actual match previews, and now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks. But forward to that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're also brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is completely changing the game when it comes to shorts, as they don't use a stiff, restricting con uh, cotton like other regular shorts. Instead, they use a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a waist slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. On top of that, Bird Dogs also uses an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And when you do end up ordering your pair of shorts from Bird Dog, you also get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. Go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. 
We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also another great way to get down your favorite MLB and college baseball player props. So many ways to win over at Underdog, and it's active in so many states. Head over to UnderdogFantasy.com. Use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the semifinal matches in Eastbourne and in Mallorca. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock, I'm going to go back to the first match in Mallorca. I'm going to talk about Harris and Eubanks, and I will go with the over 25 and a half games at minus 128. Simply put, I just think you're going to see a couple, worst case, two tie breaks or maybe three sets. But I want to mention the head-to-heads once again, because there's been a lot of marathon matches between these players. So even though a couple of these matches were a while ago, 2018, the first time they faced off, Harris won 6-2-6-2. I guess that was a route. The matches after that, Stockton in 2018 went to three sets. 2019 in Indian Wells went to three sets. Each of the first two sets went to tiebreakers. Faced off in Indian Wells in 2019. Eubanks did win 7-5-7-5. That did go under, but you had two relatively long sets. Then they faced off in 2021 in San Diego, and you saw Harris win in three sets. Then they faced off in 2023 in South Korea. That also went three sets. So four of the last five meetings in the head-to-head have gone to three sets. The one exception was a 7-5-7-5 match. So I do think, once again, you have a battle between two guys that could win the match. So it's not like it's going to be a mismatch in terms of talent. I think these players are pretty even. But on top of that, you're also looking at how these guys have faced off against each other in the past, and you've seen a lot of deciding sets. So I think there's a couple ways to win this. Either it goes to a couple breakers or it goes to three sets. I like the over either way. So give me the over 25 and a half games in the Harris and Eubanks match as my lock. And for my dog, I'm going to go back to my instincts here, and I'm going to go with the first match that we talked about in the show. I'm going to go with Sarandolo and McDonald, and I am going to go with the over two and a half sets at plus 120 on Bet365. Simply put, I see a very, very entertaining matchup here. McDonald's been very good, and he's faced off against good competition. Sarandolo's looked very comfortable, but I do think, once again, facing off against weak competition has made him look better than he actually is on grass. And I do think that when you're looking at what McDonald's capable of doing, He's a very, very underrated player because of his ability to return well, and he's got a decent amount of power for a guy with a relatively short frame. But Sarandolo's got talent as well. I'm just concerned that his unforced error count might be a bit high, and I do think that McDonald can make this match very interesting. So for me, I see a bit of a war between McDonald and Sarandolo to start the overall Friday action, and I'm going to go with the over two and a half sets in that match at plus 120 as my dog. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be on Eubanks and Harris over 25 and a half games at minus 128. And my dog will be McDonald and Sarundalo over two and a half sets at plus 120. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We'll back once again for the final in Eastbourne and in Mallorca. And then, of course, we have the Wimbledon preview episode, which should be a lot of fun. Find me on Twitter, Rice Show Radio. Find me on the NBA show. Find me on the MLB show. Find me on the WNBA show. Find me on the NFL show. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.